0: and we'll turn again to Deuteronomy and this time we're going into chapter 15 Deuteronomy chapter 15 just a couple of things again this morning just uh, things of interest actually we hear a lot about spirituality and various um, alternative medicines these days but there was an article came in from uh, about medical schools in America which are teaching spirituality in medicine. And this was from a newspaper for Americans, America's physicians. There's a woman called Christiana Puchalski. She's a doctor. She was a bit of a pioneer when she created a spirituality and health course in 1992 at George Washington University School of Medicine in Washington, D.C. The course offered as an elective. Covered spiritual practices including meditation as well as topics such as humour and alternative medicine. When Dr. Hojalski first began teaching her course, 2% of medical schools offered coursework in spirituality. By 2004, the figure was 67%. Now, a hundred. Of the approximately 150 American medical schools, offer some variation of spirituality in medicine coursework. And 75 of those 100 require their students to take at least one course on the topic. So that's been introduced to all the doctors. They have to do something on spirituality in medicine. Dr. Polaski can take some credit for the change. She and a colleague developed a program in spirituality and health at the National Institute for Healthcare Research. Funding by the John Templeton Foundation. This is a foundation which gives large sums of money to to projects such as this and to uh, Billy Graham uh, got a, a great funding from them and so did Bill Bright of Campus Crusade. He got funding from them as well. It's an organization that makes grants to research projects and it has given medical schools the opportunity to develop a spirituality curriculum of their own. And that's it's it's all happening. There's, they're bringing in spirituality not Christianity but into all these uh, into our way of life, following on what uh, Blair is doing and others one other thing, Barack Obama the senator who may become the next president of the United States he said in an interview that the teachings of his church the United Church of Christ and he's a member, of the Trinity United Church of Christ is his church Are the, the, the teachings are foundation stones for his political work just what are those teachings comprised of on Trinity's website on a page promoting yoga and this is Obama's personal home church it says within each of us is the seed of divinity, each soul is divine I bow to all to the divinity in us all and that's the type of teaching that this church uh, practices and Merton who, Thomas Merton who was one of the uh, founders of this type of teaching it's the spirituality of him who believed, he believed that divinity was in all humans and in all creation and that's the same teaching that this United Church of Christ has Here's what Merton said, it is a glorious destiny to be a member of the human race. Now I realize that we all are, if only they, the people, could all see themselves as they really are. I suppose the big problem would not be that we could fall down and worship each other. At the center of our being is a point of nothingness which is untouched by sin and by illusions a point of pure truth this little point is the pure glory of God in us it is in everybody see if everybody believed that he said they would they, they could or they would uh, the big problem be, would be he says, that we would fall down and worship each other and that's in a book that Martin wrote Conjectures of a guilty bystander in the 1989 edition. See, the United Church of Christ, of which Obama is a member, and he's going to be likely, or could likely be, the next president of America. This church is an ultra liberal Christian denomination that has focused on social justice and making the world into a better place but in the process of all their encompassing view that anything positive is spiritually sound. Many leaders within this group have embraced or incorporated the teachings and practices of occultism and Eastern religion. One such individual is a man called Bruce Epperly, a United Church of Christ pastor, who wrote a book called Reiki Healing Touch and the Way of Jesus in which Eppoli says we can utilize the practice of Reiki to transform families, relationships, meetings and institutions. Reiki is drawn from Tibetan Buddhism and incorporates spirit guides and psychic powers. It is very probable that Obama has been exposed to things such as yoga or Reiki. he could be the next president so let's move on Deuteronomy chapter 15 it's taken us a while to get to chapter 15 but we will have a look at it now in, in chapter 15 it, it, the whole of nearly cha- of chapter 15 goes on to, to explain how God is treating the poor every seventh year was to be a year of release well-to-do Israelite might lend money to his poor neighbour but anything not repaid when the seventh year arrived was to be released and left in the hand of the poor man we see therefore that in this chapter the law demanded a spirit of gracious care for the poor person among the people of Israel It didn't apply to strangers living in Israel. And it said, should there be no purr, well then this rule didn't need to apply. But Jesus said, and this book says, in verse 11, for the purr shall never cease out of the land. Jesus said, the purr shall be with you always. As we saw last week when we looked at this, there's an obligation on us as Christians to help those in need physically and materially however for us as Christians it's equally true that there will be found amongst us in our churches and in our fellowships those who are weak in the faith who are but babes in Christ and those strong in the faith must be careful lest by their knowledge they make the weak brother perish for whom Christ died the poor and weak must be considered in our assembly spiritually as well as materially you know I was thinking about this and those of us who have been blessed by receiving teaching from the word of God we have a responsibility to those who are weak in the faith to build them up to give them our time and our effort to nurture them in the faith to be prepared to stand up and speak the truth to them as Jesus said to Peter feed my lambs to encourage them and exhort them that they should Strive, earnestly contend, Scripture says, for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. What a responsibility that is for each of us, isn't it? Now, that's just a, a summary of that chapter. But let's read the portion, we read the first six verses of chapter 15. At the end of every seven years thou shalt make a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth ought unto his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner thou mayest exact it again, but that which is thine with thy brother, thine hand shall release, save when there are no poor among you, for the Lord shall greatly bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it. Only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all that these commandments, all these commandments which I command thee this day for the Lord thy God blesseth thee as he promised thee and thou shalt lend unto many nations but shall not borrow and thou shalt reign over many nations but they shall not reign over thee what a wonderful promise that was the children of Israel and just to remind ourselves what we, what we spoke about last week and what went before that which was provided by Jehovah for the spiritual well-being and the material well-being of the, the people who lived in Israel <clears throat> we had the daily morning and evening sacrifice always pointing to the Lamb of God reminding that the Lord Jesus and his, his death is for us something which we should always keep before us and remember central theme of our Christian life the cross of Jesus Christ now the weekly sabbath which was a type of the rest that remaineth I think it says in scripture for the people of God the new moon then was every month and we know this this was a, a, a prefigure of the time when Israel will be restored. The moon reflects the beauty of the sun. That's what it does. It reflects back, back the, the beauty of the sun. And someday, it says in Malachi, there's a lovely verse in Malachi. But unto them that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness... Arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Someday the Jewish nation will once again reflect the glory of the Son of Righteousness. We as Christians look forward to the brighter morning star. The nation of Israel will someday recognize the Son of Righteousness. The yearly Passover was a perpetual memorial for the nation. God's people thinking and thanking God for their deliverance from the wicked ruler. The harbinger of the deliverance Christ was to bring about for us at Calvary. And then the year of tithing. We looked at that. All helping and leading to assistance for the poor. And for the enjoyment of the people of God. There was something which uh, I didn't mention, I didn't bring out maybe well enough or or clearly about uh, tithing. We thought of the tithe and other tithes as well. You see, the land of Israel was owned by God. And it was leased to Israel. It was entrusted to Israel. In return... God was to receive tithes and these tithes show a gracious attitude as to how these rents were to be expended and used for meeting the needs of those who are both spiritually and materially in need. Those in his people, his ministers, the poor and the people generally were to be blessed. By these tithes. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And this land had been entrusted to his beloved people. And we come today to look at this seventh year, the Sabbatic year and this looks at a time into the future when burdens will be lifted when they'll be removed a future time of rest and happiness for each one of us and that's what this seventh year was going to be it was going to be a wonderful year then of course we look eventually at the fiftieth year, the year of Jubilee in all these different Things going right from the very start, the first uh, morning and evening sacrifice, right up to the the day of the year of jubilee, there are two things stand out. The first thing is glory to God. God was to be glorified in all these events, and then the result was man was to be blessed. That's what God always had in mind. God ordained that these two principles would always be bound together. Glory to God and goodwill to men. And what did the angels say when Jesus Christ was born? He said, they said glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to men. That same principle applies right through scripture. It always was, right from the Garden of Eden, and it still is, the desire of God to have fellowship with man, with his creature whom he created. And it is his desire that his people should follow his commandments. And as a result of that, then he will bless those people. He's enabled to bless the people and pour out his promised blessings on his people. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. If we glorify God in our lives, then he will bless us. That's the principle. And this was always and always has been been his desire and for Israel he says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith saith the Lord of hosts if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it see the trouble was in in Malachi was that the people had robbed God he says you've robbed me of my tithes you haven't given to me that which I desire and yet he comes up if you, if you bring those tithes into the storehouse then I will bless you you see the two things were tied together but his people had robbed God and they even sought to make excuses. They brought all the old lame lambs to the sacrifice. They robbed him of what he was his due. God still desires my worship and fellowship. We repeat 1 John 1, 1.7 quite frequently. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. If we walk a life which was is pleasing to him. Then we have fellowship with Him. Fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. What a wonderful promise if we walk in the light. Oh, our desire is that we may walk in fellowship with our God. It was God's desire in this seventh year and in the other practices that we went through last week. Always wanting His people to walk in fellowship with Him. Look at these few verses. First of all, at the end of every seven years, thou shalt make a release. And this, it says then, is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth oath to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it from his neighbor or of his brother, because it is called the Lord's release. You know, this must have been a revolutionary idea, suddenly to be told this. You can imagine the reaction of the people, can't you? It's not fair. (laughs) Why should I have to be out of pocket just because it has been declared to be a release? These people who borrowed money or goods should have been more careful with their own money or I wouldn't have lent it to them. That man has squandered his money and should have been more careful just like I have been. You can imagine all these things. haven't been even charging this fellow interest. And now I have to, to lose the capital as well. And this was a law not for the debtors this was a law for the creditors. Normally we have plenty of laws for the debtors but not so many for the creditors. When you go to hire something on, a, on the HP or something, there's plenty of things that apply to the person who's receiving the money and not so many on the, the, the rules for the fellow who's giving the money. It's always a bit one-sided. But Moses had this task to tell the people the principles of this release. The first thing he says, it's the Lord's release. The second thing was that the Lord shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess. It. It's the Lord's release. And then the Lord will bless you in the land where you're going. But then it says in verse five, but that. that is on the basis listen only only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all these commandments which I command thee this day only if thou and then he goes on to verse 6 it says for the Lord thy God blesseth thee as he promised thee and thou shalt lend unto many nations but thou shalt not borrow and thou shalt reign over many nations but they shall not reign over thee those are the principles and the results of obedience there are others which will come in in the rest of the chapter now this was not some harebrained scheme that Moses thought up himself in order to spread their wealth around like we see in some of these communes that seem to grow up in the 60s with the flower people and all those kind of things. This wasn't Moses' idea. This was God's idea. It was the Lord's release. And it came with some conditions. You know when we when we go to, to borrow money or when we, we become debtors we are always told to read the small print. <laughs> This God who had redeemed them from Egypt, who'd brought them through the Red Sea, who'd destroyed Pharaoh's army, and who'd brought them to the edge of the Promised Land, having kept them through the wilderness for 40 years, this was the God who was setting out the terms of this release. As we said at the start, this was God's land entrusted to the Israelites and therefore it was his prerogative to set down a few ground rules. All they had to do, all they had to do was to obey. All we have to do as we walk our Christian life is to obey, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. In order to be blessed, to receive this inheritance, to be a major force in the world, all they had to do was to obey the Lord. You see, the main point of this year of release was that it was meant to be a blessing to everybody. Those who were to fulfill the release, the creditors, would be blessed. And those who were relieved of the burden of debt, the debtors, would be blessed. And above all, God would be glorified. It was to be a wonderful time of rest from burdens. It was to be a time of rest from the humdrum life in the fields and on the land. It was going to be something really special. Listen to what it says in Leviticus 25, verses 2 to 4. Leviticus 25, 2 to 4. Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, And gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year. Shall be a Sabbath of rest. Unto the land. A Sabbath. For the Lord. Thou shalt neither. Sow thy field. Nor prune thy vineyard. What an amazing idea. Every seven years. They didn't have to work. It was to be. A time of rest. <clears throat> oh we look around agriculture these days food prices are going up greed has entered into it you know in our, in our country here where we've had lovely hedges for birds and wildlife what happened in some of these areas where there's uh, intensive farming so as to gain an extra few acres they cut down all the hedges and put up wire fences and so signs on it all, the, the earth has been blown off the land, the topsoil. Greed has entered into the world markets. Not going to go into that too much, but you know, the point about it was that when Israel went into the land, they forgot all about this law. They forgot about it. And so if you look to 2 Chronicles, 36 and verse 21 you'll see what happens 2nd Chronicles 36 21 they were going to be sent into exile why why I'll tell you why to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate. She kept sabbath. To fulfill three score and ten years. When they possessed the land. For four hundred and ninety years. They robbed God of that sabbatical year. But God is not mocked. Seventy years should have been kept according to his law. And he required it from Israel. He permitted them to be taken away captive. For seventy years. God is not mocked. What a warning to us all. The rules applying to the release of course. Affected only those who were within the family of Israel not to those on the outside. It's interesting. We should learn some lessons from this particular passage. Romans 14 verse 7 it says For none of us live lives to himself. Our lives you know are bound together. We're part of the body of Christ. Those of us who are Christians. We're members of the body of Christ. We don't live our lives independent. The hand doesn't live independently of the foot. The arm isn't separate from the kidneys. Everything works together. We have a responsibility within the fellowship of God towards those within the family of God. The subject here that we're talking about is relationships between the people who lived within Israel. And for us, it's the people who are within the church, the family of God. The release applied to those who were within and not the ones outside. And to us, we have particular responsibilities to those within the fellowship of God. You know, within the churches, many wounds are left smarting within the church of God because creditors, creditors, are not rich enough in the faith, not mature enough in the faith to relax their righteous demands on their neighbours within the church. That happens. God desires that his children all of his children should enjoy the benefits of a release reverently we can say God, God has done that himself at Calvary he wants all his children to be wealthy enough spiritually to do it ungrudgingly to their fellow Christians it is as it says it is the Lord's release a release to him they were really doing it although they released their fellow Israelite it was the Lord's release you are releasing it to, to God for him to act and that is the way we should act towards our fellow Christians and for us, we see this in the spirit as we see in verses uh, such as this. Colossians 3:13. What does it say? For rising, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. A release. Ephesians 4:32 Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's the principle that God wants us to act under. It does also apply materially as James says in his epistle we mentioned this verse earlier Mark twelve thirty and 31 and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength this is the first commandment and the second is like namely this thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself there is none other commandment greater than these those who are our neighbours within the church we have to forbear one another forgive one another if any have a quarrel against any even as Christ forgave you so also do ye as John Donne said years ago no man is an island we don't live unto ourselves but the principle is in order to do this we have to listen to the voice of God. Look verse 5. Only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. We have to be listening. For the voice of God. Through his word. May we hear the voice of God speaking to our hearts and mind as we walk in the light may we follow our master day by day there's an interesting thing here in verse six i was thinking about this and it says here for the lord thy god blessed thee as he promised thee and thou shalt lend unto many nations they're going to be in a situation where they can be generous to those around but thou shalt not borrow thou shalt not borrow from the nations round about and this is a principle for Christians and for Christian work and you've heard me speak about this before John in his epistle, he wrote in his third letter, chapter 1 and verse 4 onwards, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers which have borne witness of thy charity before the church whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well these people have gone out as missionaries they had gone out from the churches they were doing the work of God in the in the communities they've gone out they, they doest well to the brethren first of all and to the strangers Because that for his name's sake they went forth. They went forth into the world to spread the gospel. But here's the principle. How did they go forth? The same way as it says here, Thou shalt not borrow from the nations round about. Here's what it says taking nothing of the Gentiles taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers through the truth. They didn't take anything from the people to whom they were giving the message. Why? Because they were pagans. They were not of the fellowship of the house of God. How can we expect blessings on the preaching of the gospel when we use funds from the Gentiles to finance the effort and that's the way it is in most missions and things these days that take money from anybody may therefore God help us to be cheerful givers but that is what he loves he loves us to release that which he has given to us so that it may be of benefit to others may our lives reflect the blessed release we have received from sin may we joy in the inheritance which is reserved in heaven for us and may we take it to heart day by day now I have a letter from man in the Philippines whom we have fellowship with and he runs some little orphanages and he is uh, just an ordinary man who started up this little fellowship out there and he sent me uh, an email as to something he said to his congregation and to the outreaches he sent it actually uh, on Father's Day to them but it struck me and it just shows the reflection of what we have been talking about here. He was talking on similar lines to his little fellowship. He it's based on Psalm thirty five one to ten. We haven't time to read it. When you when you've studied this or heard this little C D, listen to read Psalm thirty five one to ten and then go over this again. He's talking about David. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord, it shall rejoice in his salvation. Verse 9. This is David's glad response to God's gracious deliverance from his enemies. David was in trouble. His enemies were accusing him of lying about him. What did he do? He prayed. Our first reaction to false accusations is to fight. We want to fight back and defend our name and protect our reputation. But David was far more concerned about his character than his reputation. He knew that if he was right with God, it made no difference what people did to him or said about him. So he started with prayer. Plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. When the enemy fights against you, he's really fighting against the Lord. That's a good principle to remember. When the child of God is in the will of God, he can claim the help and the protection of his father. David started with prayer and he admitted his own helplessness. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you? Delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him. All about delivering the poor... Our enemies are too strong for us. We have to turn them over to the Lord. David trusted God to work on his behalf, and he did. God will work for you today in his time and his way. He will accomplish what needs to be done. And when that day comes to an end, or whenever the opportunity might arrive, arise, you will say, as David said and my soul shall be joyful in the Lord it shall rejoice in his salvation it's not your salvation it's not based on what you have done for yourself but on what God has done for you I trust that today you'll have the joy of his victory in your life this is from a man and there's a price on his head for the work he's doing amongst the tribal people in the Philippines. May God bless us all and help us to work and to bring about this release which God desires from each one of us.